If you kind of like fitness, then you'll definitely love this podcast. You are listening to the only fitness podcast where you'll hear a lot about fitness and a lot about other-ish. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the only fitness podcast. Today, we're going to make this one a fun one. We're going to go over some big red flags when looking at the fitness industry. And basically, if you've been on Twitter, you've seen a lot of people posting red flags on, you know, relationship advice, but we want to take this the fitness route. What are some of the biggest red flags we see in the fitness industry being perpetuated by either influencers or gyms or by people not in the space trying to scare people away from the temple of weights, aka the gym. Who is gatekeeping all of this information? Why are they gatekeeping and girl bossing or other bossing type things? Anyways, anyway, Monica, list me some red flags that you've, you've seen in the fitness space. I, I think we should go make it like more game-like. So we're going back and forth. Okay. Like I'm you gonna, name one, I name one. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm going to share it. the one that I tweeted yesterday. Okay. Um, these are all like quotes, right? Or no, mm. just in general. in general. Mine is a quote. Mine is a quote. Okay. Give it to us. Okay. People that say fat loss is simple. Just eat less and move more. Oh, flag, 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 flag. That's a flag. If it was just like fat loss is simple, but not easy. I think that would be okay. Cause mm-hmm. you know, at it, the is base simple. Of it, it is simple. Yeah. Um, I'll give you one. How about fat burners? promoting fat burners. Red flag. I mean, like without context, they're just like, use my fat burner. Okay. I'll raise you. Okay. Um, waist trainers, but context matters too. That was my next one. Okay. How about this one? No context necessary. Detox teas. You ever see Mm. that man, red flag, three, 10 red flags. If it's no matter what context detox teas, red flag. Okay. I'm going to go like in the gym. So when someone doesn't re-rack their weights. Ooh. Okay. This one might be controversial. Um, but we love that. We're going back in the gym. How about saying weights make you bulky? Red mm. flag. Okay. Um, this could be for either. But also, okay, no context, specifically women that don't train their upper body. Mm. That's a good one. Okay, next one here. How about how to spot reduce belly fat? How about the 75 hard challenge? How about 1200 calories a day? How about anything quick, fast results? How about how to immediately get a six pack? Sweet sweat. How about earning your food? Ab stimulators. How about, uh, dang, that was a good one. How about, how about, how about, um, how about uh, you only need to do cardio? Dang. How about not sleeping enough. Uh, that's a good one. How about, I don't want to lift weights because I'll get too big. Didn't you say bulky? Uh, that's a little different. I guess not. Um, okay. How about not eating enough protein? Oh, wait. I don't know about that one. How about, <laughs> how about squatting is bad for your knees? Dang. That's a good one. Um, well, here's a new one. What's the, there, isn't there a controversy about your back and deadlifts? Oh, rounding your back. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Um, how about the knees aren't supposed to go over the toes? Dang. Okay. That's a good one. I'm running out here. Keep going. Um, um, a, you can only build muscle in the a specific rep range 
Oh, that's a good one. How about creepy old dudes who just stare at women and don't do anything at the gym? That is also a red flag. How um, about, oh, I don't listen to the Only Fitness podcast. Oh my God. That's like the worst one. Red flag, baby. All right. So we did a, we did a lot there. I think we were going through the same Twitter thread here. Um, but let's get into, into them. So which one did you start off with? Let's go back to that one. Fat loss is simple. Eat mm-hmm. less, move more, basically. Okay. So yeah, without context, that's a super big red flag because you're there's no applicable information being given. Just saying weight loss is simple. You just need to move more and eat less um, is a red flag because we know like there are steps you need to take in order to like move more and you don't just want to move more and walk more all the time, right? There are more efficient ways than just doing pure cardio and, you know, eating under a thousand calories a day. So mm-hmm. what's your take on this red flag? What, what needs to change to make it into a green flag? Well, I like what you said initially, like if it were only that first sentence, fat loss is simple. Mm-hmm. Um, then maybe there wouldn't necessarily be any red flags after that, mm-hmm. but there's like a, there's a quote that some that I heard somewhere like fat loss is simple, but the body is complex. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. Fat loss is simple, but not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so how can we turn this red flag into a green flag? Red flag into a green flag. Mm-hmm. So I guess we would say something like you just said, like, fat loss is simple. It is an equation, essentially. And as long as you can maintain the equation by increasing your essentially metabolism, or how much you burn, not only in the gym, but outside of the gym, and then you um, figure out a way not to necessarily eat less, but eat, you know, to get fuller on less calories, if you're just looking at it from a number standpoint, then yes, that's, that's, the way, right? Mm, yeah. So I think turning it into a green flag would be f- losing fat. Fat loss is simple, but the human body is very complex. And so, yeah. oh, that's gotta, what you meant. Rephrase it. I guess, yeah, rephrase it. So I guess we can't just make it a pure equation because we know how many variables there actually are that we account for. Mm-hmm. And there's also so many variables that we don't account for, or, or a lot of people don't account for and just try to try to move more and try to eat less. And they get in this position where they've been moving more and eating less. And now all of a sudden they're doing cardio for two hours, six times a week and eating under a thousand calories. Yeah. So like okay. if they literally just took, took that advice to heart where it's fat loss is simple, move more, eat less, then they'll get into this position where, they've dug themselves into a huge debt into a huge grave burning the candle at both ends yeah um okay how about this red flag fat burners what about them how can we make this into a red into a green flag like are there actually any benefits to fat burners fat burners Well, is your red flag fat burners work quote? Um, yeah, let's say that fat burners work. Fat burners burn fat. Okay. We can say something with caffeine mm-hmm. because they're a stimulant, right? right? Right. Yeah. So I'd say like fat burners don't work in the way people assume them to work. So when you hear fat burners, you assume you take a, you know, a pill something to that effect, or and even an herb, off. and your fat falls off, like it directly spots the fat and oxidizes it into fatty acids. When we know there are fat burners such as caffeine, so caffeine would work in two ways, right? So caffeine is an appetite suppressant, um, or maybe three ways, appetite suppressant, you know, it's a diuretic, so not purely fat, but that's helpful for weight loss, right? Peeing more, um, pooping more, having good bowel movements that loses some weight off the body. Um, and then the other one would be the stimulatory effect. So just, you know, being more active gets you into a better position to be able to burn fat instead of, you know, sitting on the couch all day. Yeah. And curbing your appetite, I think too. 
Right. So you're going to get benefits from fat burners. Let's say it is like, you know, in most cases, it's going to be some sort of coffee extract, green tea extract, but you can't just take that and sit on the couch and not change anything in terms of your activity level or your nutrition. Um, but I think the way fat burners are marketed, huge red flag. I think if you think in terms of a more holistic approach and not looking at a fat burner as a fat burner, but you know, looking at caffeine as in terms of like pre-workout, things like that. I think that makes it a little bit better, but I think fat burners in general, it's hard to turn it into, you know, a green flag just because of, you know, how they're marketed and what people assume they do. Right. Nice. You got another red flag we want to go over. Oh man. I already, I forgot the entire list of everything we said. Don't you have it up on your phone? No. Okay. I'll go through one. Uh, waist trainers. We said red flag, but then you said in context could be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go through that. I guess I was thinking of like a specific context of how they could help, uh, postpartum women. So, um, oftentimes they, what happens to their core? What is that separation? Uh, diastasis. Yeah. Di- diastasis. So it's recti. Di- diastasis recti. So basically um, what it means in Latin diastasis recti, or it's Greek. So diastasis is separation. Recti is short for rectus abdominis. So basically Mm -hmm. when women are pregnant and then go through the birthing process, a lot of times their abdomen literally rips in order to, you know, make space for the human inside of their, their body. So men really don't go through this. And so I did train a client who had problems with diastasis recti because, you know, she had, she had two kids. And so she felt like she could never engage her core properly. So you're saying in that case, a waist trainer would be beneficial. So how, how exactly would that be beneficial for them? Um, I mean, just having that extra support as you retrain and like reconnect quote unquote to your core, um, can be super helpful. I mean, I've had other clients too, that, um, it can become an issue when you become overly dependent on the waist trainer for that extra support. So, um, what was I going to say? Did I explain that? Yeah, you explained that. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, in the right context, waist trainers are going to work, but it's usually a pretty niche group of people, usually women, um, who need to, who need that extra support when they're working out. But then we see a lot of people who think that waist trainers are going to shrink their waist or they're going to be snatched. able to snatch their waist, you know, lose three inches just by using the waist trainer. Um, I think we've talked about it in past episodes, like in terms of using equipment, you know, I, I usually bash them because people who are trying to market the waist trainers are like, you just, the way they leave it so open-ended is it makes it seem like, um, it's detracting from the actual work they put in. Right. So again, we've talked about like apple cider vinegar and people Mm, really, really give a lot of, you know, uh, really give a lot of, of their credit towards, you know, taking the apple cider vinegar, but don't give themselves the credit for like actually putting in the work. So I'd say with waist trainers in most cases, especially the way, again, it's marketed is a huge red flag but I'm not going to stop you from using it. If it gets you into the gym, I just want you to know that it's not the waist trainer. That's, you know, putting in the work, putting in the effort to get you the results. It's really you. Um, Mm -hmm. you just, you just have, I guess it's like a pre-workout for some people. Like some people can't go to the gym without pre-workout, which is a bad thing. That's kind of a red flag we can go over later, but like we missed that one. We can add it at the end. Um, I don't want you to be reliant on the waist trainer. Um, but also I'm not going to stop you if, if that's the thing that's getting you into the gym. Like if you're not going to go to the gym because you can't put on your waist trainer, then, you know, I'll let you do it for a few months, but let's figure out ways we can get you into the gym without relying on this crutch because you feel like this is your, your superpower, or this is your, your thing that you need. And without it, you're going to never be the same again. Right. So it's the reliance part. Yeah. Yeah. Being overly dependent. Mm -hmm. Um, no and one likes just, to, no one likes someone who's too dependent. Got to be independent. Codependent. 
I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-T. Do you know what that means? She buy her own house. She buy her own car. Two job work hard. She a bad Yes. Um, want to go back to um often we will shit on waist trainers or other things of that nature. Um, just because again, like try to bring the opposing view because even if we were to say all of this stuff in our content of uh, waist trainers don't work in the way that you think they do, but in some contexts, yes, they're fine. You're only going to take that last part of that sentence of yes, they're fine. So like, you know, we have to have that kind of extreme opinion just because that's how our attention spans and how social media works. Anyways, next. Did you have one? No. Oh, let's talk about pre-workout. pre-workout. Yeah, let's do it. I only, I can only work out if I take pre-workout. Red flag. Again, you know, dependency, using it as a crutch. And also just, just the mere fact that uh, we have a certain caffeine tolerance. So, you know, if you're only able to use pre-workout to get into the gym, you're going to need more and more of it to feel the same effects. Mm-hmm. And a point will come where you don't feel effects anymore. So like, I'm not saying pre-workout is bad, but if you're depending on pre-workout to get into the gym and get that's through every workout, yeah, that's a huge red flag. A green flag is someone who uses pre-workout correctly. And so, you know, a correct way to use pre-workout because it is a stimulant is not to use it daily is to use it on days maybe where you feel a little more lethargic, a little more sleepy, you didn't get enough sleep, you know, using it when you need it, because it does have great effects and it can be used uh, really in a really good way to help you improve your performance. But if you're using it every day, then you're not getting those same effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're someone that like literally cannot function or um, go to the gym without pre-workout and you're starting to use it as a crutch, like what are the other, like, what is causing that fatigue or why are you so freaking tired in the first place? Like, mm-hmm. is it your sleep? Mm-hmm. Cause oftentimes that's probably it. Mm-hmm. Like, and if you're taking caffeine or pre-workout so late in the day, you can't fall asleep. You're just going to be like, fall into that cycle of like, no sleep, tired, pre-workout, go to the gym. Oh shit. I can't fall asleep again. It's going to be over and over again. So I would recheck your sleep because functioning on less sleep is not a flex. Yeah. Yeah. You're putting a bandaid over, you know, a compound fracture. So a compound fracture Mm -hmm. is when the bone sticks out through the skin and you broke your bone and you're trying to put a bandaid over it instead of trying to fix the actual bone, right? You're going to always have to put a bandaid over that and the bandaid's not going to work. Um, (laughs) And it's always the people who are like, so this is a super tangent, random thought, but it's always the people who are like, oh man, like Western medicine is so bad. Like they don't actually care about our health. Um, mm-hmm. They don't want to look at like the things actually causing like disease and stuff. But then they're the same people who take pre-workout every day and don't look at themselves and figure out, well, why do I need pre-workout every day? Right. Like, should I look at my own sleep? Should I look at my own nutrition? Um, I just thought that was a, a funny tangent to add on. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for your service. Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, bless you. Thank you. Um, next <laughs> red flag, branch chain amino acids. Ooh, I, this honestly, is controversial. I don't, I don't know too much about this. I think this is your wheelhouse. Okay, so I'd what say, about them though is controversial. Well, what's and what are they? Okay, Sorry. let's start with that. What are branch chain amino acids? So these include the amino acids. Leucine, isoleucine, and valine, I do believe. So while I'm going through this, can you double check? It's, I think it's isoleucine, leucine, and valine. So their structure is branched chain. Um, so I think they have like th- a three, three carbon chain backbone. There's something about the structure that is, is, uh, you know, essentially makes them quote unquote branched chain. Um, but all amino acids are necessary you know, for protein synthesis, building blocks of our, of our muscles. Um, sorry, I think I said all, all branch chain amino acids are, or I said all amino acids are necessary. I just want to rephrase. I'm saying amino acids are necessary for building up our proteins. Some do it more than others. Um, so in terms of branch chain amino acids, 
Uh, let's go over this. So they're a group of three essential amino acids, leucine, isoleucine, valine. They are essential, meaning that they can't be produced by your body and must be obtained through food. So there are essential, wait, is it essential or non-essential? So they're essential, meaning that they can't be produced by the body. And so they need to be obtained through food. Um, and so in the past, BCAAs, supplements, have been shown to you know help build muscle, decrease muscle fatigue, alleviate muscle soreness. And so the big thing when looking at that research is who did they research and how much of, a, of an effect did it have? And in most cases, if it's having an effect, it's in a very niche group of people, whether they're like super old and never lifted weights in their life and it's helping them, or it's um, you know high dosage in elite level athletes. And so those are like the two groups that, you know, have been seen to have beneficial and significant effects from BCAAs. Um, and so essentially what the fitness industry and the fitness marketers have done is take that, you know, take those studies and applied it to the general population and are saying now that BCAAs will help you build muscle. And that's where they leave it at. Right. And so we know now that BCAAs, leucine, isoleucine, daline, those are found in a lot of protein products like animal products. Um, certain, you know, plant-based proteins also have these BCAAs. So we know that they're actually not as necessary as we're led to believe because we're already getting them. And so if you're already getting your branched chain amino acids through food, there's no need to supplement extra with it because it's not going to be utilized in the same way when, you know, you already have saturated your stores of these three amino acids through your food products. So in a lot of times, and in a lot of cases, um, you know, brands are saying BCAAs help you build muscle, but they're taking and extrapolating that data from people who have never lifted in their life. And now they're 60 to 70 years old. And now, you know, they're on a strength training program. And so they're showing results in that group, but never actually showing the same results in a highly trained individual, unless, you know, you're dosing it correctly and to a certain level, which is much higher than what they ever recommend. Right. So in most cases, it's just not beneficial and it's probably, you know, a waste of a supplement. If you're going to buy any supplements, I'd stay away from BCAAs, you know, as long as you're getting in your protein. Um, and then even in the case where you're not getting in your protein, BCAAs aren't going to help, right? So if you're not eating enough protein, don't think that BCAAs will replace any source of protein. Like even having a protein shake uh, is going to be way better than just trying to get your amino acids, the three amino acids, the branch chain amino acids through a BCAA supplement. Um, but, you know, high level elite athletes, even high level elite bodybuilders, I think one of the benefits is that, uh, is that fatigue factor, like helping to helping muscles to really reach the point of full fatigue. I think that's beneficial, but then again, how many of you listening are high level elite bodybuilders and understand your own nutrition that much that you think the BCAAs are going to work. So I feel like they always present BCAAs as this, uh, this like hidden gem, like, oh, like the reason why you're not making any progress in the gym, you don't have BCAAs, but then mm. that's what other things do. Oh, you're not making progress in the gym. It's because you don't have a waist trainer. Oh, you're not making progress in the gym. It's because you're not taking our pre-workout and our pre-workout has a proprietary blend of all these good chemicals, right? So that's how it's always marketed. And so I think that's like why it's such a red flag. So no way to turn that red flag into a green flag then. No. Yeah. Not with BCAAs. Um, at well, least not to my knowledge right now. Okay. I mean, this is, could be a good tangent maybe, but, um, I have a client IRL who asked me about creatine. Um, and maybe this is a red flag. She heard from her friend, don't take creatine. It's going to make you bloat. And you're going to get big because you're going to, because of the water retention and blah, 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 blah. But we can definitely turn that red flag into a green flag. Yeah. And so. it's, it's always people hearing from friends, but rarely do you ever hear people hearing from professionals. Uh, so I just think it's funny. I always hear it from a friend. I hear it from WhatsApp, Facebook group, but never 
hearing it from an actual professional telling you certain things. So that's what we're here to do. And well, I think what, what was brought up is, is true, right? I'm not going to say it's not true. Will it bloat you? Um, Yes, technically. Does the bloating kind of go away after a while? In most cases it it will, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So the bloating is due to the increase in water retention, right? So when you take creatine, um, it has certain properties that enhances the amount of water that gets diverted into your muscle cells essentially. And so with that, you know, you'll, you will be drinking more water and more of the water will be held onto instead of being peed out. And so, yes, you will bloat how much, you know, very dependent. Um, will you look bigger? Um, for some people, yes. For some people, nothing changes at all. I mean, and it depends on who you, who you are and who you ask. Some people want to look bigger on creatine, right? right? And so when they stop taking creatine, they don't have that bloating effect due to water retention anymore. And so maybe that might be a con that they don't look as big after going off creatine. But I'd say that creatine is the most well-researched supplement, creatine monohydrate, right? If it's not creatine monohydrate, there's like different forms of creatine, just stick with creatine monohydrate, right? Because that's the one that's been the most, you know, studied at this point. And we know the benefits very well. And we know the side effects pretty well, right? So benefits include um, increased strength, increased muscle endurance. Um, This might be a negative for some people, but increased, increased water retention, making you look bigger. Um, So we know those things to be true. In terms of the side effects, there's really no major glaring side effects, other than if you are predisposed to androgenic alopecia. So androgenic alopecia is also known as um, male pattern baldness. But, you know, if you're a woman also, or someone who has a a history in their family of balding, then that's the only person I would be a little bit concerned about if they don't want to expedite the process of of losing their hair. So essentially, if you're a male and, you know, you know, you're going to go bald, well, you're going to go bald either way, right? So this is just speeding up the process. It's not making you bald. You were going to go bald regardless, right? Damn. That's what, no, I, but I need to put that out there because people, people will have this blanket statement saying creatine makes you bald. Mm -hmm. No, creatine will make you bald faster if you were going to bald anyways. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, um, you know, people love the blanket statements. It's easy. It's, it's a lot more attractive to read that creatine will make you bald instead of reading creatine will make you bald if you're already predisposed to balding and have a history, a family history of balding, right? That first one's way easier, way more palatable to digest and to tell people. Um, So other than that, which is not a side effect that's going to affect a lot of people, you know, creatine is literally the best and most recommended supplement. Um, and I'll say like, if you are going to go bald and you don't want to expedite the process, you could go on creatine and then there are online companies who will send you, um, send you, you know, medication for anti-balding, right? So if you really don't want to expedite the process, you could literally battle that pretty easily. We have medication available, like really easy. And that's a sponsorship today get roman get roman.com no damn it why don't we have <laughs> what any are you talking about i'm just trying to show them how how well we can present this information see how organic that would have been that was so organic it was see, like did you hear that back. transition though so what i'm doing is i'm manifesting mm-hmm. these so that in hopes that you know someone stumbles upon it and then we actually do get it and i could make it way better and way more organic but hey i'm just i'm just telling you but what i use is i do use roman and so um, I don't think I'm going bald, but you know, I just want to, I thought, I thought my hair was kind of getting pulled back, but I don't know. I don't think so. You got a good, was, good head on you. Good hairline, right? I got good head. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think my hairline was maturing. So there's a difference between like a receding one and a maturing one. I think it was just maturing. So the baby hairs are gone essentially. That's oh all that my, means. my baby hairs are so annoying. Well, we can get rid of that. I think. What? Do you have a history of male pattern baldness in your family? I don't think so. Oh. Well. Then I think fine. I'm blessed. You are. Filipinos but yeah, are I think um, especially women, they 
are they get turned off by um that like water attention part just because of the appearance of looking bigger but I think the benefits might outweigh those potential side effects yeah are you on creatine um yeah wow look at that if you need if you want to look at someone who is you know a female a woman on creatine because you're scared and you don't know what you're going to look like look at monica look at me look at all four four feet ten inches of me she's on creatine isn't that crazy? So I think you should definitely promote that more that, you know, you take creatine, you take it daily. It helps you with your strength and your muscle building. And you can eat more than like a six foot, 150 pound guy. Cause you're on creatine and you have more muscle muscle mass. Yeah, That's, bro. That'd be a really cool thing to look at. Okay. Next red flag. Immediate results. Something, something, something immediately six packs, six pack abs immediately build muscle mass fast yeah okay well what we can immediately say that the more the quicker you achieve results the more temporary there they are yeah but why why Mm -hmm. why what why are they temporary why are they temporary i don't know you tell me why are they temporary so are we saying someone does this challenge and they achieve results? Yes. Because those results happened at a quicker rate, the effort that you probably put in to achieve those results are pro- is probably unsustainable for a long period of time. There we go. Bingo. The sustainability portion. So I, I mean, we mentioned on past, past po- podcasts where you can brute force your way into any result, almost any result you want. You could just by brute force, sacrificing a lot, you could brute force your way. But then those results you get, if you get there, are going to be temporary because you didn't learn how to sustain those results. Some people you do. You had the best analogy for that episode. What was that? Um... I think we talked about that movie, Snow, wait, something with a train. Snowpiercer? Yeah, but you talked about like having a fire or something and having to constantly like, what did you use? Stoke it? Oh, I think that was for fat loss. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I don't think, yeah. No, you, um, uh Oh, I don't remember what I said then. Never mind. Yeah, I think that was a good one, whatever I said though. But yeah, like Monica was saying, um, you know, you, if you didn't learn anything in the process, then you won't know how to maintain it. Cause people don't want to just get results, right? People want to get results and keep their results. I think that's always the goal, but that people don't realize Mm -hmm. a lot of people are like, I want to lose fat, but then what what's hidden under that message is I want to lose fat and keep it off. Right. right? Or I want to lose weight and keep it off. They don't say it, but they mean it right. They, that's what they want. Cause I've never met someone who's like, I want to lose weight. I want to lose 20 pounds in the next three months and then gain it all back. The same (laughs) amount of weight. I want to look the same as when I started. Right. So I want to look really good in three months. And then after those three months, go back to the same exact way I looked and felt. I mean, maybe bodybuilders or something. I mean, even in that case, like they want to look better than they did. Right. They always want to be better. Right. So it's always about maintaining, if not improving. And so I think people leave that out when they talk about their goals. I want to lose fat because they leave out the part. I want to lose fat and keep it off. I want to build strength and keep the strength. I want to build muscle and keep the muscle so that I can eat more than I do now without having to fear any food that I eat. Right. So there's always something. Mindsets always instant gratification, aesthetic focused rather than Mm -hmm. long-term longevity um, sort of mindset. And I was just thinking about the podcast we did with Nick, Mm -hmm. um, from Jubilee of what you said, you kind of called him out and he was like, talk your shit. You were like, um, just wherever he was at in his journey. Like, did, have you learned anything? Like, did you learn anything? Any, your foundation for whatever your goal is, is 
that like the mental part and your mindset of mm-hmm. getting to wherever you're trying to go. Right. Right. And well, I will say this, you know, if you're in the 1% and you do want fast results, all you need is a, you know, $500,000 and you can immediately get whatever you want. You want a six pack? Nice, easy. There are definitely plastic surgeons who can give you that injection. You want to lose fat in a certain area, spot reduce your belly fat, man, you're, you're not, you don't lack the motivation. You don't lack anything else. You just lack the bank account because you can get it now, but are you going to keep those results? Right. Or do you have to always go get liposuction every three months because you keep adding on more and more fat. And with that, you could get a BBL. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can, no one's stopping you, but with that, if you're not learning anything and learning how to keep it and having to keep paying someone, you know, you're, you're just, you're turning your wheels and you're getting nowhere. Right. So yeah, if you do want fast results, you just need more money, but you're not, you're not, you might not keep those results, right? You could definitely learn a way to get to your results and maintain it for the rest of your life. Right. Mm. Fast results do exist. You just, you just, you just a broke boy. <laughs> That's it. Damn. That's why it's time to make money get, moves. Get your money up. Get your money up. Get your money up. Get your money up. Um, nice. All right. Next one. Sweet sweat. Do you remember any of the ones you said earlier? Nope. Okay. We're just sweet sweat. Red flag. Sweet sweat. Um, is that the thing? Is it a waist trainer sort of and like this thing you rub on yourself? I think they what have the again? waist trainer as well, but it's the sweet sweat itself is the um, the lotion that you put on to make you sweat more. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. a. I feel like I remember people putting it on and they just look super shiny and like. Yeah. Well, I will say it does make you sweat more. And so, you know, who is this beneficial for? This is beneficial for competitors focused solely on appearance, right? So that would be bodybuilders, bikini competitors, because what you want to do with that is you want to remove any excess subcutaneous water that you might be holding on to before a show, a few weeks before a show, because in bodybuilding and bikini competing, you want to look as dry as possible. And why do you want to look as dry as possible is because you can see almost each individual muscle fiber. And that's kind of what they're getting judged on that pure appearance. Right. But the way sweet sweat is marketed is, is in this way where it's like you put on the lotion, you sweat, and then you put on the waist trainer and what they claim is that you're losing fat from that area because sweat. you're sweating more in that area. Yeah. The sweat, sweat is, is fat crying. Fat crying. Dang I it. stole Damn. it. From you. I knew you were going to do it. I was like so it. ready to say it. I knew you were going to do it. Yeah. So Sweat is not fat crying. The way fat is removed from our body is through the process of respiration. Yeah, it's through breathing. Um, so yeah, your your fat doesn't cry. That's not what sweat is. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Wait, what's that TikTok? Sorry about it. Sorry about it. Oh, okay. Never mind. Apparently, I'm like always my algorithm's like so effed up. It's always so behind on all of the trends happening. I think that's everyone. All right. Uh, another red flag. How to spot reduce belly fat. Sweet sweat. Oh yeah, just sweet sweat and a waist trainer. <laughs> no, but you'll see this a lot on social media. It's and you know, from a marketing standpoint, like it's sexy. It's very sexy to say that rather than something else. Um, but there's just this whole narrative on how to reduce belly fat. And we're trying our best to fight this mal and misinformation that you can't reduce spot reduce, but what you can do is you can globally reduce, which I think again is amazing. You can work any body part, not including your abs at all and still see fat being lost in that area. Mm -hmm. So trying to spot reduce is an inefficient waste of your is an inefficient time waster, right? So you're saying I can't do a shit ton of core work and just watch my belly fat disappear. Well, you could, but it's going to take 
10 times longer than if you were, you know, working on the muscles that actually have the most bang for your buck, like building up your quads, building up your butt. Those are going to be big muscles, building up your back, big muscles, the bigger the muscle, the more energy it requires. Mm -hmm. So those things will take a 10th of the time to see the results in, you know, losing belly fat. Whereas, yeah, you can build up your core. You can do that, but it's going to take you a few years if you only do core to see the results you want to see, unless you're really using a lot of weight and really get this big bulky core after using lots of weight just and really focusing on, you know, the obliques, the rectus abdominis, but a lot of people don't want that, right? They don't want these bricks of an ab, right? But you could mm. get to there. It, it'll take time regardless. And it'll take even more time than working on the bigger muscles that require more energy just to keep you alive. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you could, you could spot reduce belly fat, I guess. No, I guess not. Don't listen to that. You can't spot reduce belly fat. You cannot. I'm just going to clip that. <laughs> clip. clip. Clip it. I eat 1200 calories a day and I'm not losing weight. Are you sure about that? Yes, I am sure. I track everything. I track everything on my fitness pal. I weigh everything. I eat under 1200 calories most days. That would be so hard and sad that would be a tough life let's how go do you over make that. that a green one uh, there's stuff we would need to work on i think a lot of people a lot of people and this is you know rightfully so this is part of our psychology that we're in now is that eating eating more a lot of people the way they think would be eating more will directly lead to fat gain or weight gain. Just right. what do you mean? Right. So people are scared to eat more. People are scared by the thought of eating more than what they're eating now. Right. Okay. Yeah. But what they don't know is that, you know, under the correct conditions, if you start building muscle, you could technically get to the point where you're eating more than you do now and still lose fat, mm -hmm. still lose weight. Um, but I think a lot of people are scared, one, you know, to start strength training, because um, usually you see the 1200 calories or less, you know, in, in the, with, you know, women, females, young girls, usually with them, right? So, I mean, whoever started that awful trend to try to put up on, you know, impressionable young women, especially to think was that- Was it Atkins? Was it Atkins? I don't know. Someone with the diet, but- now so many people are stuck in that in that mental space where they think that if they eat more than 1200 they're going to gain weight and yes if you if you aren't strength training or you're just doing pure cardio and you eat more than 1200 calories well here's a simple fact of the matter you will gain weight because that is your calorie surplus but if we can raise the threshold of what a surplus is for you let's say to 1600 calories by increasing your muscle mass, increasing your metabolism through strength training. Now you can eat more than 1200. You can even get up to 1600 and still not gain weight or still even lose weight in the process. Right? So people don't know that their threshold can actually be adjusted. Right? So you can very easily manipulate how, how much, how many calories your body consumes that maintenance just by manipulating your strength training or your resistance training, right? You don't have to eat 1200 calories for the rest of your life. You can get up to the point where, you know, you've built enough strength and muscle that 2,500 calories is now your new maintenance. So if you go over 2,500, you're losing, you're gaining weight. But if you're staying under 2,500, that's your new maintenance, man, that's a much better position to be in, right? You're able to eat more meals in the day. You're able to, you know, eat without the fear of gaining extra weight, because now you've given yourself a much bigger threshold that you need to surpass before you're in that caloric surplus. Does that make sense? What are you looking up? Dang, I was trying to find where the 1200 number came from. And it's really hard to say because so many different companies like Weight Watchers and, um, Oh, this is from Buzzfeed Nude. Who, BuzzFeed News, 
who taught women that they should only eat 1200 calories a day? How did women, you find it? I just typed in, uh, here's my Google search. Who started the 1200 calorie diet? First link was this. Women especially need more than 1200 calories just to breathe and exist, let alone exercise and function throughout the day like a normal human being. Oh, that's a really nice. good point. You could, you could very much survive on 1200 calories, but you definitely won't thrive and you definitely won't be able to function the way you normally function, right? You can eat 300 calories a day. Good Nobody luck. will want to be around you because Good you're going to be so depleted of energy and yeah. irritable and oh my God. Yeah. Let's see. Um, where, oh my gosh. Okay. So it looks like, it looks like a doctor in all the way back in 1918 first kind of said that uh, women needed this. So 1918, a doctor named Lulu Hunt Peters published diet and health with the key to calories. It was one of the first modern diet books ever released as the beauty ideals were changing from buzzamy women with cinched waists in corsets to women with thin slender frames in straight loose dresses. She, she suggests calorie counting as a way to lose weight. Um, her suggestion of counting calories now sounds ridiculously simplistic, but at the time, no one was really doing this. And so eating 1200 calories a day wasn't just about keeping your weight under control. It was about being patriotic. Diet and health wow. came out at the end of World War One, And while rationing wasn't law, for some, it was important for Americans not to hoard food in their own anatomy. So that's kind of where the basis of the 1200 calorie diet came from, especially targeting women was that it was, it was this idea that, you know, you don't need to eat excessive amounts. And I think if you said, if you said this same thing today without the calorie number, I think that's really good advice. You don't need to be eating excessive amounts, right? You don't mm -hmm. need to be eating more than past your satisfaction level, right? You don't need to eat till, you know, the button pops off or till you feel like you're going to be sick afterwards, right? I think that's great advice. Yeah. But I think the reason that this advice now looking at it is, is um not optimal is because you know it's 1200 calories and not eating excess so it's not eating excess but it's also lim you know limiting yourself to 1200 calories but the reason back into context was you know after world war one still short on supplies still limited on supplies you know just a few years from the roaring 20s which you know probably people started eating in more excess but thinking about you know after world war one is that you don't want to hoard more than you need at this time so I think that's pretty interesting if you, especially if you look at it from, you know, what society was doing in that time. Very interesting. I learned something new. Yeah. All right. It's, Did you so, have a... no, I was just going to say, it's like, uh, I feel like my goal is to make that number like higher. I want my whatever maintenance calories to be higher. Yeah. It's just, it's so sad. It's sad. I think a lot of people want that, but don't know that it's possible or don't know that it's a thing. Yeah. And so and that's, that's why, why we're we, here. That's why we're here. Um, next red flag. You brought this one up 75 hard or 75 any, hard, or I guess any challenge based type of thing like that. Um, why it's a red flag. I don't, it, it doesn't teach you anything or maybe it does. Maybe it teaches some people discipline to stick to something. And like, I guess the 75 hard, um, is intended to be like a mental challenge or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, as far as using a challenge, so again, context dependent, using a challenge to get to a certain place, your goal of um, being this strong or looking this way, um, is not always the best approach. Cause again, you're not learning anything like, and how are you going to take the stuff that maybe you do learn and apply it to actual life for right. long-term sustainable changes? Like also what the fuck do you have time to work out twice a day? Maybe. But also, is that realistic? If you live in Michigan, now you're in New York. Yeah. It's going to be cold as fuck outside. Whoa. <laughs> no, it's not. It stays like this all year round. Someone told me. What? Yeah. It stays 70 degrees, just like LA. Shut up. All year round. Um, 
so yeah, the, you know, 75 hard challenge, since we're using that one, it's, it's, it has its benefits, but it's definitely for a certain type of person, right? So I think the big flaw there is like people who have never done, you know, organized sports, because I, I feel like it kind of, you know, harkens back to what organized sports are like, you know, having a coach tell you what you need to do and, you know, push yourself to your limits. Um, but I think the problem here is that people think 75 hard is for everyone. So even mm -hmm. if you've never lifted weights, if you've never worked out, if you never worked out more than an hour before, you're going to be doing now two 45 minute workouts. So now you've got 90 minutes set aside for your day. So if you went from one day a week to now every day for 75 days, I think that's where people get burnt out. And if that's your first experience with any sort of fitness thing, that's where you're like, man, maybe fitness isn't for me, but right. you need to realize, no, this side of fitness is not for you. This is definitely for a person who, you know, who wants that mental dif discipline, mental toughness. They want to go through that, right? This is not for the beginners. That's why it's called 75 hard. So I don't understand when there are beginners who are so new to the fitness space that they're like, I'm going to try the hardest thing known to man that's that I can possibly find. And they stumble across 75 hard and they do two days. They're like, well, yes, fitness isn't for me. That's yeah. like the same thing as like, that's like the same thing as like, you know, going through your math classes in high school and trying, you know, AP calculus, BC differential equations. And like, well, I guess I'm not good at math. Like, I don't know how to do any of that, but you didn't learn pre-calc. You didn't learn mm -hmm. geometry. You didn't learn, you know, everything leading up to that. What makes you think that you're going to be able to go and do the hardest thing, right? Same thing with like, you know, CrossFit. A lot of people think CrossFit is for beginners. In a lot of cases, no, like you need to have, you know, a good foundation. Maybe you find a good strength and conditioning coach, or you find a good CrossFit gym where they do teach you the basics, but I'm, you're not going to go from couch to CrossFitter in, in a week, right? Right. You're not going to be able to pick the hardest thing ever in the world and be, and do a day of it and be like, oh, I guess it's not for me. Killed it with the math analogy. Let's go. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, um, going from one extreme to another, but beginners again, it's like, they just don't know any better sometimes. So they, yeah. which is a bummer that, you know, people do end up doing that and are, it turns them away, Yeah. but there is literally just a reminder. There is a place for every body when it comes to fitness, like you'll find a place that, um, resonates and aligns with you and your goals. Um, it doesn't have to be this or that, like it doesn't have to be CrossFit or only powerlifting or only bodybuilding or only hit all the time, like, um, whatever. But I think for beginners too, if you don't even have the basics down, like stress management, adequate sleep, hydration, any, all of those other things, like, why would you jump into a fitness challenge? Like mm -hmm. you, you don't even have a good baseline of like, maybe overall health, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. So how can you compare like super healthy to healthy-ish to unhealthy to whatever, if you're not even giving your body its basic needs? Mm -hmm. so. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, if the math analogy didn't, you know, make complete sense to you, I just want you to think of what your passions and hobbies are, whether they're work-related or not work-related, you know, it could be art, it could be anything in the sciences, it could be, you know, finance. I want you to think, you know, whatever your hobby and passion is, think of the hardest thing you could possibly do in that, in that space. And now I want you to think of yourself as a beginner and think of the hardest thing you could do. So let's say you, right now you like to paint, but let's say going back when you're five years old and someone's like, I want you to replicate Leonardo da Vinci's artwork and you look at it and you're like what no are you going <laughs> to yeah. tell me now that you hate art if that was your first experience mm -hmm. you know probably but think about like all the steps that got you to where you are where like you know if someone asked you to commission a painting and it's you know a little bit more complex but you enjoy that process is because you understand that it's a process to get you there and you didn't just become great overnight right if anyone tried the hardest thing in whatever field that they enjoy, they would probably hate that field. And same right. thing goes for fitness. If you have never had any experience with fitness and you try literally some of the hardest things in fitness, of course, it might leave a bad taste in your mouth. You're like, oh, well, I guess if 
I guess this is what fitness is. All of fitness is like this. So maybe it's not for me. And you need to realize that's literally, you know, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to fitness. Like there's so much more than doing a 75 hard challenge, working out twice a day, reading for, you know, 10 minutes in the morning, you know, no TV electronics at night. Like that's literally the hardest thing that you could do. And I don't want you to think that that's the only thing you have to do. Yeah. It's, yeah. And I don't know when, if about you, when you have like discovery calls or if you have potential leads of clients, they usually come with the same, um, maybe like pain point of like, I just don't, I didn't ever do anything that stuck with me because I didn't enjoy it or I like didn't understand it. And so you have to be okay with like starting from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a learning process. Don't think jumping into the hardest thing is going to help you learn any quicker because it's probably going to do the opposite and it'll, it'll just turn you off to everything. Dang, um, I, I forgot to say a red flag. What is it? More. Do more. It's always better. Or like harder is better. Kind of similar oh, to that. Explain it. Like doing more, going harder in the gym mm -hmm. or like maybe going more frequently, having longer workouts, adding weight to the bar is always better. Yeah. It's kind of where, where I'm coming from. Yeah. I think do more is a red flag because you could do a lot. I could have you in the gym three times a week, seven days a week and see no progress. You know, I feel like there are people who do that or they're like, they're always in the gym. They're always working out and they're seeing no progress. Well, it's because if they are progressing, it's in the wrong direction away from their goals, right? If you have a specific goal, you need to figure out what steps you need to take to reach that goal. Instead of thinking that anything you do, as long as you do it to your fullest extent and as hard as you want, it's going to get you there, right? So let's take, you know, a really basic example. You want to build up your legs and your butt, but you're going to the gym and you're hitting chest five times a week. And those are the only movements you do. Yeah. You're progressing but in the completely wrong direction, right? Mm -hmm. Your goal is to build your legs and your glutes. So why aren't you doing things to build your legs and glutes? Why are you working on your chest every time you go to the gym and you're spending three, four or five hours in the gym every week, right? So that's like a super end of the spectrum thing, but people don't realize that a lot of times that's what they're doing. They're like, you know, I want to build a bigger chest. I ask them, how often do you bench? Oh, like once a week. Oh, uh, like I, I don't, you're, you're putting your time in the wrong places because you're not specifying your goal and specifying the things you need to do to reach your goal. You're spinning your wheels in the wrong direction. Yeah. Well, I was also thinking of like, I have clients that they were used to going into the gym every single day and like doing a shit ton of cardio or like they were, it was always high intensity all the time and they never, um, they just had so much volume or like intensity in their training. And so when I tell them, Hey, let's just cut back to like three days a week instead. Um, they're like, well, what about my progress? Or like, I'm not going to progress this way. So they think, can I add another day? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why we're here. We're here to meet you where you're at and, you know, figure out, is it something that's going to be helpful for you? If is adding another day going to be beneficial but i think really understanding you know where they're coming from like you said like if they were all into the hit classes group classes six times a week you know and they feel like if they don't get into the gym it's going to be awfully detrimental and so i try to post content where i'm like i didn't go to the gym for two weeks you know life got in the way but because of what i've done in the past and building my foundation i'm still able to you know look the way i do which i take a lot of pride in sometimes mm -hmm. like I put in the work so that, you know, if this were to ever happen, if I move across the country and don't have time to go to the gym the way I want to, I don't lose all my progress, you know, and right. I usually relate it to like people who do pure cardio and they often see their results get lost because they really built no foundation. They were just spinning their wheels, doing as much as they could, as hard as they could, and not actually making any long-term investment in themselves. So there you have it coming from two trainers who teach group classes, sometimes we make money regardless if you show up or not. We're telling you sometimes 
it's pertinent that you just don't show up if you need a break or if you need that rest. Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying just like don't skip because you're like not feeling it. That's different. Yeah, there's a difference between, you know, not going because you're not feeling it. Uh, and then there's a difference between like life getting in the way and like actually having a reason not to show up. But I feel like, you know, it can get complicated because maybe people do make excuses for themselves. Like maybe I shouldn't have made excuses. Like moving wasn't that hard. I could have, you know, gone to the gym a few more times than I did. Um, so yeah, it, man, all this stuff is very nuanced. So we try to provide all the, all the points of views as we can. Um, but I feel like people in their heart of hearts really do understand themselves and know when they're skipping the gym because they just don't feel like it or are they actually like making excuses? I think people really do know like, yeah, intuitively, you know, yeah, like, yeah. So, um, cool. Oh. I'll finish on one more or did what we is hit it? them all? I don't know. I thought you had one. There was one you said earlier. Oh. Um, I can't oh. remember. Go for it. Oh, do you know it? No. Oh, um, last red flag. I only do cardio. Oh, I feel like we've like talked about this for like, is it a red flag though? I'm like endurance athlete. Well, how about, how about I only... I want to lose fat and I only do cardio. There we go. Oh. I want to lose fat and I only do cardio. How come I'm not losing fat? Red flag for me. Then this is the analogy that you were talking about before. This is the analogy with yes. the snow piercer. Yeah. Okay. So if you're, if you're trying to lose fat and your only form of exercise is coming from cardio, I've said it in the past and I'll say it again until everyone gets it. If you're only doing cardio, purely cardio to lose fat, you are paying rent, right? You're paying rent. So as long as you pay rent, you get to keep those results, whatever those results are. The minute you stop paying rent, that's when you'll lose whatever you have, right? That might be why it's like, even in, if someone's strength training, they're so scared to lose their progress because maybe in the past or something could be a very much psychological point, but, but if you're only doing cardio, you're paying rent. The moment you stop paying rent, you can no longer maintain what you have. And in most cases, you're going to lose it, right? You're going to lose it. So I, yeah, like you said, maybe some people who go from only cardio to now strength training feel like that thing is going to apply also. Um, but in a lot of cases, you know, that's not the case. And if you do, you know, happen to miss two weeks, if you are strength training, it's going to come back so much quicker. So if you're trying to lose weight and you strength train, let's say you only strength train, that's going to be an investment, right? You're going to invest in everything that you've invested in yourself. So in this case, it's muscle, you're investing in muscle. And with muscle comes a higher metabolism, the ability to eat more without gaining extra weight, all those good things that come with muscle. So if you're building muscle through strength training, resistance training, you're investing in yourself. And even if you have to take two weeks off, like I did, those results don't go away. You might, you know, feel smaller. You might feel like you look smaller, but the minute you get back into the gym, all of that is waiting for you, right? You own it. You've invested in it. You own it, right? You own everything you've made up to that point. So if you you know, happen to miss a payment, doesn't matter. You can pay it off, pay it back next week because you still own it, right? And each week that you're paying, you have to pay a smaller and smaller amount until you fully own it, right? Let's say, you know, you're you're paying it off in chunks, right? And, you know, you're trying to get to a certain goal. And I think I'm going way overboard. With it. No, I was just, go ahead, keep going. Yeah. But like there, there will come a point where, you know, you fully own everything, right? So, you know, maybe you only paid $500 last week, but this week you could pay a thousand bucks. And then the week after that, you know, you can only pay 20. You're still making payments. You're still on the road to owning it and investing all of that and making more on that. So cardio is renting. Strength training is owning. And so, you know, that's both sides of the spectrum. You can do both, but I think this warrants its own podcast where people think that doing strength training and cardio and doing a lot of it is going to give them 
even better results. And that's not the case. So you guys will have to stay tuned for another episode on that because that one can get very detailed. Um, just because you strength train five times a week and, and you run five times a week doesn't mean you're going to make, you know, double the progress as mm-hmm. just doing one alone. So that's going to be its own podcast. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. Actually, I think we've got our topic for next week now. Um, yep. Muscle is yeah. hard. Muscle is hard to build, but it's easy to maintain. Muscle hard to build, easy to maintain. Yeah. And I mean, just the like, okay, I gave this, gave this um, statement to a friend not too long ago, but with cardio, you're manually burning your calories, right? And you're only burning calories in that moment. You're not burning a lot after the fact. With weight training, I like to, you know, use weight training, strength training, resistance training. They're all Mm -hmm. in that same level. Not only are you burning calories in the moment because you're using the muscles, but you're burning calories after the fact in order to recover and repair the muscles that requires energy and calories in order to maintain the muscles requires calories and energy. So instead of just manually burning during the one hour workout, now you're burning 12 to 14 hours a day, even outside of the gym, right? You have one hour of manual burn in, in the workout and then 12 hours of just your body needing to function and repair itself burning calories, right? So you might burn 400 calories in an hour doing cardio and maybe you only burn a hundred calories strength training. But now throughout the day, you're burning more than those 400. And that compounds the more yeah. muscle you have, even more you're going to burn outside of the gym. Right. That's the dream. That's the dream. That's the dream. Hell yeah. There we go. I think the, yep, that's it, man. All right. Well, we went through a bunch of red flags. So if we missed any red flags, shoot us a DM on Instagram. Tell us what your red flags are when you're uh, looking at fitness pages. And we hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Next week, we've got our topic already. Next week, we're going to talk about strength training versus cardio. Should you do one? Should you do both? Why aren't you seeing benefits? If you're do, why aren't you seeing double the benefits if you're doing lots of both? And we'll kind of dive deep into that. But we hope you enjoyed this podcast. We hope you guys gained some valuable information. We hope you guys understand what to look for, what red flags to be looking for when people are bringing these up on TikTok, Instagram, WhatsApp, Facebook. And then you'll know a little bit better. Hopefully, no, no more than when you started this podcast. So if you made it to the end, we just want to thank you for listening. And we will see you guys next week. Peace. Thank you so, so much for listening to the Only Fitness Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review. Share this podcast with a friend or family member, and be sure to follow us on Instagram. Until next time, this has been the Only Fitness Podcast.